You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. Well, good morning, church. I know we had a little taste of spring, and now everybody coming here like, it's cold, it's cold. Like, okay, I know we got spoiled, right? Come slip sliding into church today, huh? But you're here, amen? You're alive. Barely. Maybe. Go Patriots or go Falcons? There's three Patriots in the room. They're just like, where am I at while I'm here? <laughs> well, good morning. Uh, my name is Matt. And I'm one of the pastors here at Vintage. If today is your first Sunday worshiping with us, we are glad that you're here. Again, we realize you could be a lot of other places like a nice warm bed this morning. Thank you for having the courage and the willingness to come up and come out and worship with us today. We'd love to get to know you. If you would, at some point throughout the morning, fill out that uh, response card that was in your seat. We'd love for you to drop that either in, in the basket as you head out the room this morning. There'll be some our volunteers there. Or go by the White Connections tent. We have just a, a, a very small gift we'd like to give to you. And we just want to get to know you. Answer any questions that you might have and just uh, uh, find out how we can help you find a church if you're looking for one to be your church home. Um, in case you missed it, man, last week was a really, really special weekend. First and foremost, we had eight people accept Jesus and seven people get baptized, so that's, that's something to celebrate. That's why we do what we do. Uh, it's awesome. But in case you weren't here and you missed it, we did announce that we are making the step to move forward to building our very first uh, phase one permanent facility. Um, yeah, it's awesome. And so we are moving forward to secure those funds, and we've, we're launching a, a giving initiative called Above and Beyond. And if you call this your church home and, and you want to find out how maybe you can help be involved with that, um, if you would go by the, the giving area out as you go out, you'll see a lot of things about Above and Beyond, the campaign that we're moving for, toward, and some pictures of our building. And we're going to have three kind of smaller, intimate, what we're calling vision nights. I just want to kind of get in a room outside of Sunday mornings, and I, you probably have questions about this building and what it's going to take. And, and you may think, man, I don't know how I can even play a part, but every one of you can, trust me. And so I would just like the opportunity to, to hang out with you in like a smaller setting and answer those questions. So we've planned these three vision nights. We're capping them at about 50 people or so. Uh, so if you'd be willing to come and hang out with me for an evening and just hear the vision behind this building and the step we're taking and what it's going to require of us, um, you can go online and sign up for one of those. We'd love to have you. If all those get full, we can add some more as need be. But we believe this is the year that we're going to break ground and maybe as early as late spring on that building if God does everything that we hope he's going to do. Um, so just make sure you check that out. And then one other thing, uh, we've, we've kind of relaunched small life groups again. And if you're not in a life group, um, you're missing out. Those of you who are in a life group and you, you're just valuing those relationships, you just give an amen or a shout of praise. See, there's not enough of that shouting going on because some of y'all are just in groups and you're like, I don't like them. No, I'm just kidding. You know, that's not the case. Uh, but we want to help you make that step. And so as you leave this morning, if you want to find out more about life groups, maybe you signed up and you're still trying to figure this out because we've been waiting for more people to sign up so we can form some new groups. Chris Foster, who leads that initiative for us, is going to be in a room. If you go up the ramp out outside the lobby and past volunteer headquarters, the room to the left there, he's going to be hanging out after the service. He'd love just to have a conversation with you, meet you in person, and see how he can connect you relationally with other people in our church. But today we begin a brand new series. And this is a series that's been burning in my heart for some time. And 
I've been praying through it and, and kind of trying to put down on paper what kind of I felt like God wanted us to talk about, because it's a big topic, and it's an important topic. And it's a topic that, that, that I hope you realize that no matter what your family situation or home life looks like, you're going to learn some principles that I think we all need to learn. And I just want to ask you a question. And this is the question that we're going to wrestle with over the next four weeks. How are things at home? I mean, seriously, how are things at home? Whatever your home looks like, I mean, what it, whatever that family dynamic, and I know it's different from everybody. Some, some places it's, it's a mom and dad and kids. Some places it's an aunt and kids. It's grandma and kids. It's a single mom, single dad and kids. Like whatever your home life looks like, the question I want you to really get serious about is how are things at home? Because what I'm finding more and more as I sit across from people almost on a weekly basis, we have an enemy that is attacking our homes, church. Amen, somebody. We have an enemy that is attacking our homes. I feel like the front line of the war, the spiritual war that's happening in our culture is in the home. And like, I, I want us to get honest about it because I think our homes are supposed to be something special, ordained, and, and created by God. And I, we're gonna have to get real if we're gonna wrestle with this. I, I, I ran into a guy at, at Walmart, a family in our church uh, the other day, and you know, we were just kinda walking, I said, hey man, and how, how you doing? And his mouth said, good. His face said, help me. Like you could just see the stress and the tension and the things that are happening in his life. And if we're going to deal with this issue, if we're going to wrestle with really that question, you're going to have to be honest about it. Like how are things at home? And, and can I be honest? Like, I don't think that's something that we're really always willing to do. Um, what's happening at home, we really kind of want to keep at home. Like, we don't want other people kind of knowing and seeing. And if, and if we got a window into your home, like, you, you, you might get freaked out a little bit. And maybe we need to have something happen. Like, one of my favorite TV families of all time is the Barone family. If you don't like Everybody Loves Raymond, there's something wrong with you. You need to go to Walmart and pick up a sense of humor because it's funny. <laughs> and there's a scene in one of those episodes that maybe we need to kind of have happen for us to get honest about our home life. Check it out. Michael, it's your turn. Thank God. We go after this. The angry family. <laughs> the daddy was mad at the mommy. <laughs> Mommy was mad at the daddy. <laughs> mommy and daddy were very mad at the grandpa. <laughs> the grandma got mad at everybody. I did not. It's oh, wonderful. <laughs> Grown-ups were always very loud. It hurt the kids' ears. <laughs> the end. <laughs> See, 
see, sometimes it requires an awkward and embarrassing moment to find out how things really are at home. And I thought about doing this, like going back in kids' ministry and just picking some random kids. (laughs) (laughs) But I would not do that to y'all because I like my job. Um, But how are things at home? And, you know, sometimes, like, we we can get ourselves into this rut and, 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 and pretend like things are good, but they're not. And church, let me tell you something. For the last maybe year, on a weekly basis, I'm sitting in front of a couple or a full family that's connected to our church or our community, and I'm watching homes just begin to fall apart at the seams. And what's happening in those homes is so tenacious and so full of conflict and anger and frustration, and it's just, I don't think that's the way God meant it to be. And like I'm so sick and broken hearted over watching homes just end up in rubble because I believe that the way God designed it is ideally, especially if we're going to say like Jesus is the Lord of our home and we're following Christ and we're, we're trying to establish a home. And we, I grew up hearing this all the time, a Christian home. And can I be honest with you, I'm not even sure if I know what that means anymore. Because does that mean, okay, we go to church or we don't go to church or we have a Bible or we don't have a Bible or we're, what, what is it? But I think that a home where Jesus is Lord and the people in it are pursuing him is supposed to be a haven. It's supposed to be a sanctuary. It's supposed to be a place full, not, not perfect and not moments with, that, that aren't tensions and times there's conflict, but a place that when you walk through the threshold of that door, it's a place of peace and unconditional love and joy and encouragement and uplifting. And I'm watching more and more, even within the church, that seemed to not be existing. We live in a messed up, crazy world that's chaotic and there's a lot going on. And you know what? I think our homes are supposed to be a place where we can kind of escape that. The stuff that my kids are experiencing and they're going through and the challenges that they're facing and all the things that are whirling around them, sometimes I can't, I can't keep them from all that. I can't save them from the exposure to all that 100% of the time. But I hope I can establish something that when they walk in through the door of my home, it's a place where they know that they are loved and they can be honest and they're unconditionally going to be supported and prayed for and challenged and encouraged throughout their entire lives. That yeah, when they make mistakes and they do things, wrong that we're going to hold them accountable and there's going to be discipline amen? amen that's the best amen i've gotten in the history of the church <laughs> but at the same time it should be a place where they can come and find peace because more than anything because that's what i got to grow up in and i know so many of you didn't and even the concept of what i'm talking about seems really really foreign because you're having trouble trying to establish that because you've never seen one you grew up in that broken chaotic mess but I, I was blessed. Like, I always knew my parents loved me. And yeah, there were times they were hard on me. And there was things that we had to deal with. But I grew up where I remember my friends wanting to come to my house to get away from theirs. Like, I, we were that home. To create something peaceful and tranquil and powerful. Something where they come in and they knew that they were going to just experience some calm. And I'm just watching that even within the church, begin to fade away. And it breaks my heart. And so over the next few weeks, what I hope to do in this series is, is really challenge you to get real about that question. How are things at home? 
whatever home looks like for you now, or whatever it's looking like for you in the future, how are things at home? And are we willing to have the courage to wrestle with the things that we're going to need to wrestle with to make sure the things at home are as they can and should be? Isaiah chapter 32, verse 18. This, this is kind of the whole jumping off point for this series. Isaiah 32, 18. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places in secure homes and undis- undisturbed places of rest. That's the kind of home I want for you. You see that? It says my people will live in a pl- peaceful dwelling places. Places that are secure and a place of rest. Like I think that's the kind of home that God has made possible for us because of who he is and what he can do. And I realize that there are so many homes represented in this place that your home is far from that. But what I want you to begin to believe is it can be different. And like, for those of you have, who have never experienced that, you can break the cycle. You can be the generation that changes things for you and for your kids. And that you can have this peaceful, powerful domain that God established as our homes. But let me just say, it doesn't happen on accident. It doesn't just happen. Number it didn't break on accident, and it doesn't become whole on accident. You feel me? Like, if we're going to have these kind of homes, it's going to take a lot. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. In other words, the kind of home that God desires you to have, it doesn't just happen requires wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And so if, if, you, if you want this kind of home and you, and you believe that it's, I need you to believe that it's possible and I need you to get real about that question. How are things at home? Because church, I'm, I'll do it as much as I have to and I, and, and I wanna help you through things, but I'm so heartbroken over watching week after week another home another family another marriage another relationship bite the dust and you know what I've I've just been praying about this whole series and you know what I've learned that better than knowing how to establish a good home I can tell you how to mess one up like messing I can I'm going to give you six things that if you want to have a terrible home do these six things like if you want to have, if you want to have probably a, a marriage that will end in divorce and, and kids that are going to be all over the place, if you really want to destroy your, your home, I'm going to tell you how. Number one, always assume the worst. They're out to get you. Always assume the worst. No matter what they say, always assume that they have an alternative agenda. They're trying to get you. They're trying to bring you down. They're trying to cause you stress. They're cry- if you, every per- when you look at them, they're trying to get me. Always assume the worst. If you will always assume the worst, you'll have a terrible home. And so you start thinking like, Matt, that's crazy. You know how often I see this happen? I sit across from people that no matter what is said and no matter what is done, there's a perception that there's always some type of ulterior motive and hidden agenda. I mean, I sit around from couples, I'm thinking, 
Y'all loved each other at one point, right? Because now it feels like if I put y'all in the octagon, somebody's coming out bloody. <laughs> if you will always assume the worst, you will destroy your home without doubt. Always assume the worst. Number two, just do what's best for you. Look out for yourself. Do what's best for you and you'll destroy you. Only what's best for you. Don't, you know, their needs, they don't matter. They, those kids, they can fend for themselves. Your wife, your, it's their problem. You do what's best for you. Whatever job's best for you, whatever hobby's best for you, spend your money in a way that's, if it's best for you, do it. Again, we look at that and think, that's just crazy. It happens all the time. And probably the one that you laugh at the most is probably the one you do the most at times. You know how I know that? This message is convicting the mess out of me. Because there's times, I don't know about you, like I would much rather do what's best for me. Or how about this? Pretend it's no big deal. That problem that exists in your home is not a big deal. It will eventually fix itself. Don't worry about it. Don't talk about it. Don't deal with it. Ignore it. Your home will be destroyed. Just pretend it's no big deal. Leave the elephant in the room. Feed him from time to time. Act like it's no big deal. And how about this? Constantly point fingers. Because you know what? It's never your fault. They're the blame. They're the selfish ones. They're the one. Point fingers all the time. Don't ever, don't ever accept responsibility for anything. Always point the finger and tell them it's their fault. You'll destroy your home. Oh, here's a good one. Never, ever be completely honest. T tell half-truths and partial truths, but leave some things hidden in the closet. Never, ever be completely honest. You'll destroy your home. Finally, without a doubt, leave God out of it. You don't need Him. Don't seek the Word. Don't pray. Don't have a conversation with a spiritually mature person. Leave God out of it. See, it's sad, and it's really quiet in the room, but let me tell you something. Every family that I've watched fall apart in the entire length of my ministry, one or some or all of these things have been the culprit. And if your home isn't what it's supposed to be, I would almost bet that one or some or all of these are happening. You with me? Say amen. It's really quiet in the room. Like this is, the reason why, you know what was scary is, I didn't have a, it took me two seconds to come up with this list. Because I'm watching it over and over and over again. And it's these attitudes, these actions, that are the ones that are contributing to the destroy, to, to, to the destruction of homes all over our church, all over our community, and all over our culture. And what I want to submit to you is, we can change that. Like, like, we can really change that. And, and, and you know how we change that? We actually begin to live out what the Bible says. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like, if we will actually do what Scripture says, if we will operate in our relation, I know some of you thinking, well, I'm not in a home. If you are, in a, if you are around other people ever, 
The Bible has a lot to say about how we're supposed to approach relationships. And if we would just adopt what Scripture tells us about how we're supposed to engage and, and, and act within relationships, then we can have the kind of homes and relationships God desires for us. And the problem is, I look, you know, do you know that the Bible says and what it says is contrary to everything we just listed? But somehow we let those attitudes and actions begin to take over. And it's not that we don't know what Scripture says. It's for some reason we're making the decision to not apply it and not follow it. And I think that the key to having the home that God has for us is just really simple. It's following what the Bible says. And I want to look at especially what Paul says in Romans chapter 12. Grab your Bible and flip over there. Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read verses 9 through 21. And I just want you to hear these words. And just imagine if we lived out this chunk of scripture in our home life. This is a passage of scripture that I read at almost every wedding ceremony I, I perform. Because this passage of scripture, if you'll build a home based on these types of attitudes and actions, I guarantee you, you'll have success in it, and it'll be fruitful, and it'll be peaceful, and it'll be powerful. Look at it with me. Romans chapter 12, pick up verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Verse 17. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome e do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Isn't that good? Can you just imagine, like, if we just lived out those verses, if we said, you know what, that's the attitude and actions I'm going to approach my home with, how different things would be. Because don't you see that everything that Paul just wrote is contrary to everything we listed at the beginning? It stands in deep contrast. So I want to make you a challenge. Are you ready to do what you can do to make the changes within your home that need to be made? Because I'm going to challenge you to, to basically act in, in opposite of all those other actions. To starting today, you're not going to do any of those things that we just listed, but through the power of the Holy Spirit in you, you're going to be determined to live in a different way. Which means we're going to have to do some actions that I'm going to call you to. And let me go ahead and say, this can easily become an elbow-to-rib sermon. You know what an elbow-to-rib sermon is? As I'm preaching, you're going, he's talking to you. That's you. You need to do that. This is not an elbow. Oh, I, 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 she should have been at church today. She needs to hear this. <laughs> oh, I'm sending him the podcast as soon as it's posted on Monday. This isn't an elbow to rib sermon. 
This is, let's get real. Let's, let, let's, let's do what we can do, what we're called to do, what we can control in order to establish our homes as the dwelling places that God desires them to be. And that means, first off, admitting, being challenged to say, I will believe the best and give grace in the worst. And instead of assuming the worst, I will believe the best and give grace in the worst. Now, when you look at the people in your family, you see who God created them to be. Not maybe who they are in the moment and in the actions and emotions of that time, but I will believe the best in us and I will believe the best in you and who I know you are in love. I will believe the best and in those moments when you are not at your best and they're gonna come, amen, I will give grace in the worst. You imagine how different our homes would be right there if we just started doing that if you began to believe the best in each other again. And when you look across and you see those people that make up your home or your family and however that looks, because see, what we want to do is we want to look at them and we want to see who they were and what they did and let that stuff just build. I remember when we were five years old, I, I hated you. <laughs> There's some people that still carry that baggage. You know that? This is, I will believe the best. See what Paul, remember what Paul said? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Can cling, cling to what is good. Sincere love always believes the best. And what Paul later wrote in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you've heard this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. See, believing the best means I will not use your past mistakes as ammunition for future arguments. Did you hear that? Believing the best means I will not use your past mistakes as ammunition for future arguments. I will believe the best and give grace in the worst. If we started doing that one thing, it would begin a shift in our homes. But I think we also need to do the next thing. We need to be determined. We, what we need will matter more than what I want. Can you imagine if you adopted that attitude and approach in your home that what we need will matter more than what I want? That the greater needs of, of our family, of our home, of our relationship will take precedent over my selfish desires. What we need will be more important than what I want. That means, dads, when what you want is just to go home, sit down in the chair, and watch a little Wheel of Fortune, I mean, Sports Center. <laughs> but what we need is to get outside and shoot some basketball with your eight-year-old son because he needs to spend time with his father, then you understand that what we need is more important than I, what I want that what we need will be important than what I want. Man, can you imagine how different your homes would be if that's the attitude that we adopted? That the greater needs of us superseded the desires of me. That's what Paul's saying, Romans 12, 10. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. Or he would also say this in Philippians chapter two, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. 
And this is what we're saying. Well, I will when she will. You're missing the point. Because see, that's the way most of us I love that. That's a good idea. And as, as soon as he starts, I will too. And the change that's needed in your family is not happening because you're waiting on somebody other than you to make it. And it's time for you to step forward and say, what we need will matter more than what I want so that we can have the home God desires for us to have. The next thing, I will quickly work to resolve issues. In other words, I won't keep sweeping it under under a rug. It is a big deal, and I'm going to deal with it. We will quickly work to resolve issues. See, I've kind of discovered that most of what people face, if they'll face it head on with courage and immediately, we can deal with it. But the longer we wait, the nastier it gets. It's just like bad leftovers. I've used this illustration before. You ever cook dinner? And at the, end of the day, at the end of the night, you've eaten all the food and that kind of stuff, and you've got some leftovers, so you pull Tupperware, and the Tupperware drawer, anybody else Tupperware drawer, like, it's just crazy, like, it's madness, because there's no way to figure all this stuff out. Okay, I'm weird, never mind. But you, you take the Tupperware out, and, you know, you put, you put the leftovers in it, and you stick it in the refrigerator. And then maybe the next day you buy groceries, and the Tupperware kind of gets shifted to the back. And then you buy some more stuff and some more stuff. Next thing you know, like that, that Tupperware has gotten stuffed all the way back to the refrigerator. Three months later, you go to clean out the refrigerator and you have yourself a bona fide science project in the refrigerator. <laughs> like you can see things growing inside it. And it's to the point where you're like, I ain't opening that. It's going straight to the trash can. We will buy more Tupperware. It's gone. Because if you open it, you're going to throw up. I mean, that's just the way, right? That's the way problems in homes are. The longer they go unnoticed, the longer they go, the more you refuse to deal with it, the longer you wait, the nastier they'll be to clean up. And you have to make that determination that I will quickly work to resolve issues. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. In other words, if we can live in harmony with one another, we gotta deal with the issues. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Or you remember what James wrote? I mean, excuse me, remember what Paul also wrote in Ephesians chapter 4? In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. I will quickly work to resolve issues. Let's keep going. Another thing we're going to have to do, I will take ownership of my attitudes and actions. I will take ownership of my attitudes and attitudes. Can I, can I just be honest with you? I've never sat before a family whose home was falling apart and only one person was to bear the responsibility and the blame. It's never happened. My experience. And you know what? They're like, well, they're the one that made the mistake, and yet your mistake was with how poorly you reacted when they made the mistake. I will take ownership of my attitudes and actions. I will take responsibility for my part. I will realize that for this thing to get broken, it took more than just one of us, and for it to be fixed, it's gonna take more than just one of us. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on who? You. Not, it doesn't say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on them. As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Galatians chapter 6, each one should test their own actions that they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else for each one should carry their own load. 
I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to take ownership for my attitudes and actions. Next thing. I will have the courage to be transparent. I will have the courage to be transparent. There is no home without honesty. That there, there's half a time where you're just going to have to be fully transparent and get all the cards on the table. My grandma used to tell me, usually when she caught me doing something stupid, son, your sins will find you out. Woman scared me to death. <laughs> she always seemed to know. Like, I couldn't do anything wrong, and boom, there she was. Like, whoa, grandma. <laughs> like, you're going to have to be honest. You know what I found? That concealment is much more dangerous than confession. Concealment is much more dangerous than confession. That that thing that you're trying to hide cannot and will not stay hidden. It will come to surface. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. And for we are all members of one body. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I will have the courage to be transparent. And finally... I will be the spiritual leader my family deserves. I will be the spiritual leader my family deserves. Every home needs to have a spiritual leader. And for those of you, and I know this isn't the case for everybody, for those of you, your home includes the man, the husband, the father, brother, that's you. And it's time to step up. And I know not everybody, some single moms, that needs to be you. When there's not a dad or a, a man in the pit, I understand that that's some of the situation. But I believe wholeheartedly the way God's designed it, men in your home, you set the spiritual temperature and tone of your house. And don't expect the, the people in your family, fellas, to be any more godly or spiritual or in the scriptures or seeking God through prayer any more than you're willing to be yourself. Set the tone. And I know that that's not the case for every home. You need to be a spiritual leader in your home. And you know your situation. You know your context. You need to be a spiritual leader. Your, your home needs a spiritual leader. And for some of you, you know that needs to be you. Single parents, you need to be a spiritual leader. Single mom, spiritual leader. Grandparents who are leading kids, you need to be a spiritual leader to that child. You deserve, they deserve for you to be the spiritual leader of your home. To set that tone and temperature your job to be a spiritual leader and I think one of the biggest reasons why homes are falling apart is because they lack a spiritual leader to set that tone and temperature for that house how are things at home how are things at home what are you doing to create the kind of home that God desires that's your part what attitude or action do you need to shift from the first list to the second list in order to make your home what God intends it to be. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. We're going to pray together today. How's your home? Wrestle with that question. How are things at home? And I want to just offer up something. Maybe you're here today and you're here with your family and it's time to pray. It's time to begin rebuilding. It's time to make some changes. If that's you, I just want to ask you to do something really step. I want you to grab the hand of, of, of your spouse or the, your family, however that's made up in this room, and I want you to come down here and pray. 
Maybe you're, maybe you're not married, you're single, and you want to come down, and you want to pray for your home, your family, but look, come now, come on, just come on while I'm talking. Come and pray that God would begin to do a work in your home and in your family to make some changes. Or maybe you're here today, you know what, and things are good in your family, and you just want to ask God's provision and protection because you realize how fragile that is, and at any moment some changes can happen, the enemy can get in and begin to wreak havoc and destroy, and you just need to pray a prayer of protection and provision. Or maybe you're here and you know you have, things are great at your home, things are good, you're working and things are making change, but you know what, you have a brother or their family or a family member, you want to come stand in the gap for him. Or however your, your family exists, you just want your family, your home to be what God intended it to be and you need to do the things and make the changes or make new commitments to allow that to become all that God desires it to be. We just come and spend some time praying together for each other, praying as a family seeking God for where the changes need to be made. Maybe you're here today and, and, and you're dating or you're engaged and you're heading into a home and you want to ask God to begin to do a work in your, in your relationship right now to move things forward, to help it to be all that, that God desires it to be. And let me just go ahead and say, this is a time not for guilt, but for inspiration and conviction to make changes as you move forward and asking God to work and do mighty things in your home supposed to be a haven, sanctuary, a place of peace. And it can be because of who He is and what He can do. Father, I thank You so much for the families represented around this platform. God, for people who are crying out to You this day. God, You know their situation. You know what's happening in their homes. God, You know the things that are, that are not good that need to be fixed. And God, I know there are people down here that, Lord, their homes have just been in turmoil, possibly, and maybe in chaos. And God, I pray that right now that you would just bring healing and hope. That, God, where forgiveness needs to be dealt, that forgiveness would be offered. God, where things need to be changed, that you would just give people the courage and the ownership to make those adjustments that they need to make in order to establish the home that you desire for them, God. And God, I pray that today that you would take away guilt and shame and replace it with determination and inspiration to, to as they step up from this platform in a moment, to move forward in their homes. May it begin today, a, 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 new, a new regime happening in their house that's starting today, God. God, for the ones that are here and, and they've yet to establish a home and they're, they're dating or they're engaged and they're heading to that place, Lord, help them to do all the things that they need to do right now to, to move towards establishing the home that you desire them to have, God. God, for the people that are down here whose homes are peaceful and you're reigning and you're Lord, who, God, that, God, they realize how fragile it is and they're just praying a prayer of protection. I pray that you would help them to have wisdom and discernment of how to move forward, God, and how to continue to protect that sanctuary that is their home. And God, for those who are standing here in the gap for other family members, for, for brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and maybe parents and grandparents, Lord, that, they, that they're heartbroken for what's happening in the home of somebody they desperately love and deeply love. God, I pray that you would just heal that home as well, God. But God, in all this, we just, desire, we just declare our need for you. That God, we can't have the kind of homes that we desire to have, that you desire for us to have, if you're not in them, Lord. So we declare our dependence on you, God. And God, we pray that you would just continue to wash over this group of people in Jesus' name.
I'm going to invite you, if you're still praying, just keep continue to pray. Feel, feel free to just stand here, just to stay, stay kneel. But the band's going to lead us in a time of worship. If you feel led to come, if you haven't come, if you feel led to come as we worship or stay and pray, just worship and pray and seek God and allow Him to keep working in our lives this morning. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.